On today's Murder, She Wrote, you have a double dose. Two episodes instead of one. Both very problematic that have rubbed me the wrong way upon seeing them for the first time in a long time. One is about a bully being murdered in a backwoods southern town where there's lots of racism and lots of suspects. The second one features a minister on television who seems to be the real deal, but when someone ends up murdered in his hospital, it's up to Jessica to figure it all out. And both episodes have both big shocking twists that I'm not particularly fond fond of. Let's get started. Do 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 Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show, Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about two season two episodes. Seasons two, season two, episode fifteen, Power Keg. Air date February 9th, nineteen eighty-six, and Murder in the Electrical Cathedral, season two, episode sixteen. Air date February sixteenth, nineteen eighty-six. I have decided to do these two episodes together instead of doing them apart because separately I can't say how much I really don't like these two episodes. They all cannot be good and I guess after, you know, trial by dur- jury and keep the home fries burning, it's kind of almost like a gigantic letdown with these two episodes. And I got a lot to say about both of them. As always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about this episode. The murderer, the suspects, everything in between. You can't do a Murder, She Wrote podcast without doing that. So if you've not recently seen this episode, I encourage you to do whatever it is that you do. If you've recently seen this episode, sit back, relax, let's see if we notice the same things and have the same opinions. If you have not recently seen this episode and you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season two, disc set, insert disc four into your DVD player. This is the last episode on that disc. If you do not own the DVDs um, like I do, have no fear. You can watch the episode for free. All 12 seasons are currently streaming on NBC's Peacock peacock app as well as all 12 seasons are currently streaming on the roku channel as well as the four tv movies that preceded murder she wrote when it ended in 1996 seasons one through five are currently streaming on freebie formerly imdb tv app all are available on the roku tv or roku devices all right so Let's get into these very problematic episodes, and I'm going to explain why they're problematic and why they make me really, really mad. In fact, this might be my first explicit episode. I have tried very hard not to cuss on 
the podcast in the past, but these two episodes kind of render me to do so because I find them that annoying. I don't know if other Murder, She Wrote fans have the same feeling. Maybe I'm going to do like maybe a poll um, to see if anybody likes these two episodes. So let's get started because we got a lot of ground to cover. All right. So like I said, the first episode, Power Keg, Season 2, Episode 15, air date February 9th, 1986. Okay, so in this episode, I am assuming that Jessica is somewhere um, near New Orleans because they mentioned Shreveport. And I know that was mentioned in Steel Magnolias. Um, but there's no indication, like, where they are. Except that we're in Roper County. And that's all we know. So Jessica is traveling with her literary friend, Professor... Caulfield. He apparently has wrote many books and is friends with Jessica. And of course, we're just now meeting him. We've never met him before, but we're meeting him now. Um, they have been, they're on their way back from a literary uh, conference. Uh, apparently, Jessica found it all to be very tiring, but he said, oh, that's because everybody was going, was listening to you, not me. Nobody hardly ever came to my booth. So as they enter Roper County, um, Professor Caulfield's car breaks down. And it just so happens... Um that the sheriff is driving down the road and stops to help them. Isn't that funny? Um, no explanation is to given why he's there, but it, his name is Sheriff uh, Cox. Caldwell Cox. And he... Um, this episode is very racist at times because um, they happen to have a black sheriff. And this is a backwoods southern town. And we're again pushing the narrative that all southerners are stupid. My Aunt Emma is a very southern woman. Anyway, um, basically, that's what I think it's doing. Because so, 
um, Jessica goes into town with him. They go to the service station, ran by, run by Billy Willis and uh, Andy Crane. A very strange performance by uh, the guy who plays Andy, Larry Wilcox. I don't know exactly what they were going for or what the director was telling him to do. I try not to criticize actors' performances, but I really can honestly say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I don't understand this guy's performance. They have to order a, a specific part for his car and it will be a while. So him and Jessica decide to stay at the local hotel. As they're being checked in, and I noticed right away that this is the Western Universal Backlot, which a lot of Westerns like Gunsmoke and all of those were filmed. I can totally see that, recognize some of the buildings, especially the hotel. Um, so they're checking in and the receptionist says that they have one last adjourning room, but unfortunately it's not really adjoining. Um, as they're checking in, a woman comes out from behind the, the door behind the desk, and this is Cassie Burns. Apparently, she used to be a student of Professor Caulfield's. And behind her, her son, Matthew Burns, comes out and says that he is singing at the local bar, Kelso's, run by a man named Frank Kelso, played by Cat Corey, or Pat Corey, who played the role of Phil on Murphy Brown, the restaurant they go to all the time in that show. He does sing at some point here, but um, I don't know if the actor really does any singing because there's no soundtrack credits to whatever song he sings later. And I have some criticism with his singing. Um, so they go up to their rooms and it's not adjoining. Adjoining rooms is basically when the other person's room you have a door to where you can go in the other person's room. But he says his room is across the hall. So continuity error, I noticed, and so did somebody on IMDb. Um, so later that night, we go to Kelso's bar, the local bar that everyone goes to. Um, a woman is a waitress there. Her name is Linda. And she's taken everybody's orders. Matthew's up there singing. But the problem that I have with this, and it's a minor problem with the rest of the problems I have with this episode. Um, this minor problem is Matthew is playing guitar and he's singing, but he's not singing into the microphone. The majority of the performance is done with him away from the microphone. So I don't see how anyone, and half of the time, I can't even hear what he's singing. Because whatever, how they filmed this, the, 
it's not picking up. Also, directly behind him and his band is the Confederate flag. Basically, again, signifying that most of the people in this town is racist. And I hope that doesn't make you mad at me because it's true in this fictional town. So at the bar, uh, Mr. Kelso is showing some random extra his gun, which has specifically made bullets for it. Now, I don't understand why he's doing this other than to establish something later, which I'll get into. So eventually at this point, Professor Caldwell comes in and comes up to the bar and Mr. Kelso says, can I get you something? And he says, scotch and water. And he says, okay. Well, just then the local town bully, Ed Brenner comes in. This is Linda's brother. He also comes in with the two guys from the service station, Billy, Billy, what did I say his last name was? I'm so sorry. Billy Willis and Andy Crane. They both come in. Um, and and uh, you can tell that it's a local town bully because there's a couple sitting at the table. And they immediately get up and leave so they can sit down. One of them takes a beer from the nearby table of someone sitting there and also a chair. So they sit down and, and uh, Linda, Linda's like walking around taking people's orders. And eventually she says, I mean, eventually she's sitting there with her arms folded, just looking in awe at Matthew. And Mr. Kelso's like, how many times do I have to tell you, Linda, stop fooling around with the help? She ignores him and she goes to ed's table her brother she asks ed if he'll go over and talk to their father ed says no and tells her to stay out of his life um she then turns away from them and again glances in awe at matthew and he ed says he's not family so leave him alone and she said well if you want me to stay out of your life then you stay out of mine he says, fine, I will. Get us three cheeseburgers and a pitcher of beer. She says, all right, fine. Then Andy turns to Ed and says, Hey, Ed, you gonna cause a little trouble? He, 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 ha, ha, ha. So Ed gets up and he goes over to Matthew, who is trying to sing his song. I think he finished his first song and he's on his second song, but I don't know because, again, auto's not so good here. Don't know if the actor is actually singing or or if they had him lip sync to a different song. I have no idea. We'll find out if he's a singer when I go over the guest stars. Um, so first Matthew tries to ignore him, but then Ed calls his mother a whore and also says that his sister could do better dating someone way better looking than Matthew. Matthew then starts to have a fight with him. Billy goes behind the bar and puts a knife to Mr. Kelso's back, and then Andy stops Professor Caldwell from intervening. 
Most of the bar patrons leave as the fight starts. None of them intervene to try to stop it. Eventually, Linda comes out and yells at her brother and tells him to get out and to leave Matthew alone. Eventually, they do decide to leave. Matthew runs outside and says, I don't care if, he's bro if he is your brother, I'm going to kill him. Meanwhile, we cut to the hotel. Jessica's up reading. It's 3.30 in the morning. And Jessica notices that Professor Caldwell comes back. There's also the sound of the ambulance. And Ed Brenner is dead. The next uh, morning, Jessica gets up. And Professor Caldwell's in the lobby of the hotel talking to Cassie. He goes up to Jessica and explains that Ed Brenner was found dead and Matthew is the main suspect. They decide to go over to speak to him. Before they get to the sheriff's office, Ed and Linda's father, Mr. Brenner, that's all he's known as. He doesn't have a first name. Um says that he wants justice done and that he knows for a fact that Matthew killed his son. The sheriff insists that justice will be done legally and for him to leave it alone. And Mr. Brenner leaves. Jessica and Professor Caldwell go in and Professor Caldwell makes it a point to say that him and Jessica had dinner with the governor a couple of days before they came over here. And... The sheriff thinks that he's trying to say that he thinks the governor could take care of this and not him. Which I think that's exactly what he's trying to say, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, basically, the sheriff lays out the crime for Jessica and Professor Caldwell. He says that Ed was found at, a, at the church and someone had screamed and someone called the police. Um, someone had obviously shot Ed and also hit him and they found the the evidence in Matthew's garden in his house when they when they went to Matthew's house he claimed that he had been walking around and was nowhere near that Jessica points out that the distance that he would have to travel it doesn't seem possible the sheriff actually thinks that Matthew is being framed but thinks that the best place for him is is in the police station because people want to kill him. Meanwhile, as Jessica and Mr. Caldwell talking to the sheriff, Mr. Kelso is getting his mail, and two random guys, don't know their names, not important to the story, talk to him and ask him if he got a letter from his wife, who is supposed to be in Shreveport, taking care of her sick mother. Um, and he says, not today, heard from her yesterday. He, and they, and one of them says, did you hear about it? He said, yep, I heard about it. I heard it as soon as I got up. He said, yep. And they walk away and then they laugh and say, she ain't taking care of no sick mama. Implying that something else is going on. Meanwhile... In a section of town, a bunch of people are gathering um, 
At first, Andy is inconsolable, and then Mr. Kelso comes driving up. And he says, I heard there was a party going on over here, boys. And I just didn't think it would be neighborly not to give y'all something to celebrate. And he ends up handing them various beers and stuff. He goes up to Andy and he says, I'm real sorry to hear about Ed. And Andy, I don't know, this dude must have psychological problems because he gets up and he tries to hurt Mr. Kelso and says, you didn't give a damn about Ed. Don't you come over here acting all sympathetic or whatever. And, and he says, and everybody knows that you're that wife of yours. Ain't taking care of her sick mama. She went off with that that vacuum salesman who came into town. And Mr. Kelso says, you're a damn liar. And, uh, and that's how he speaks to you. And uh, he's like, Billy says, well, it's true, Mr. Kelso. That's what Ed told all of us. And he gets back in the car and drives away. Jessica decides to figure out the t the town, uh, or no, to to solve the crime. Sorry, so she is determined to solve this crime because she really cares about the little kid Matthew. So the next day, she goes to the sheriff's office and asks about the coroner report. Well, it just so happens that the coroner is there and he knows her by reputation. And has read some of her books. I don't know if he's credited. Hold on to see. Dr. Frazier. Of course, not to be confused with the Dr. Frazier from Frazier. <laughs> anyway, he basically says that Ed was shot, but somebody dug the bullet out of him. And then they overkilled him by hitting him repeatedly with some sort of shovel or something. Which they found in Matthew's garden. As well as gloves. And the sheriff doesn't think that the coroner should tell Jessica. But he says, let her help. She's really good at this sort of thing. Well, as she's sitting there trying to figure out what the coroner has just told her. She notices that Ed's special or personal effects are sitting on the on the desk. And the sheriff says, by all means, go ahead and look at it. As she's going through it, she notices that Ed has two lighters. And she says, this is funny. Why would a man need two lighters? Maybe the other one doesn't work. Well, she tries both of them, and then she notices that there's an Irish Cameron quest, crest. And he says, how do you know about that? And she said, research. Well, as she leaves the sheriff's office, she runs into Linda. Linda wants to take Mrs. Fletcher to talk to her father. So they go to his farm and, and uh, she said, Ed and Daddy got into a huge argument and, and he ended up leaving home. And even though he was struggling and not being able to do much for himself, he still stayed away. But then suddenly, he came into some money. 
was able to get himself a new car and a place. I just don't understand it. And Jessica said, but what, where could he have gotten all the money? And Linda says, I don't really want to believe that he was into drugs, but there's really no other explanation. Jessica says, Linda, I don't like the atmosphere of this town. It looks as if it's about to explode. They end up at the Brenner farm. Mr. Brenner is there chopping some wood. He at first doesn't want to want to talk to Jessica because he thinks that she's on other people's sides. And she says, well, Mr. Brenner, maybe Matthew did kill your son. Or maybe he didn't, but you should let the law decide. The longer you let this fester, the worse it's going to get. And he says, oh, hell. I tried so hard with Ed. I gave him everything, and then I gave him nothing. And then I didn't give him anything at all. And it didn't seem to matter whatever I did. It didn't matter. Ed was just the way he was. Jessica goes back to town and notices that the mob is slowly but surely forming outside. Linda also mentions that Billy pulled a knife on Mr. Kelso. So Jessica decides to go to the sheriff to ask about the knife. The mob is swarming and the sheriff is very temperamental and tells Jessica that he doesn't care right now. He's got a mob forming outside and if she wants to live, she needs to go to her hotel, lock herself in until it's all over. He tells her to go and she reluctantly leaves. Meanwhile, Professor Cobwell and Cassie go up to the mob and ask them to stop this. Andy says that this is no place for Miss Burns. And then when Professor Caldwell tries to call Andy's son and to tell him that he's sorry and that grief can happen in millions of ways, Andy again gets up and is about to hit Professor Caldwell, but Cassie's able to stop him and they go back to the hotel. Jessica goes back in the hotel too a little bit later and they're having dinner. She goes up to them and she says, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to help Matthew, I need both of you to be honest with me right now. And and Jessica has both guns blazing because she basically says, I know for a fact that your alibi of coming in right after the murder was not true. I, I heard you come in about 3.30. And I know that the two of you were more than professor and student. And Matthew happens to be your child Ames that's Professor Caldwell's first name and Cassie immediately jumps up and says that's not true Matthew's father was a deprecated war hero who died in the war and I resent the accusation and she runs off. Professor Caldwell says you'll have to excuse her, Jessica. She's lived a lie her whole life and refuses to believe it. There's no scene establishing 
any dialogue between Cassie and him in the rest of the episode that says that Matthew is his son. How Jessica even figured it out, I don't know. But he tells Jessica not to tell Matthew and to just let it go. And he also says that, yes, they had an affair years ago. Jessica then goes out to Mr. Kelso's bar to basically ask Mr. Kelso some questions. At first, he's nowhere around. She wanders into his office, and then he comes in with a gun pointed right at her. He apologizes and says, what are you snooping around here for? She says, I'm not snooping. I was coming to ask you a question. He said, oh, well, I'm so sorry, ma'am. She says, did you get a good look at the knife that Billy had pulled on you? And she said, no, ma'am, it was at my back. And he said, besides, Matthew is the one that killed Ed, plain and simple. Now, if you excuse me, ma'am, I got lots of work to do. Got to clean up because I know I'm going to get a big, huge crowd. With the way that mob is swarming out there. Suddenly, the phone rings, and he says, oh, okay. And then he says, Jessica, trouble at the jail. So the mob has officially formed outside. Andy is, the, is in the lead. He tells the sheriff to bring out Matthew because they, they want to lynch him themselves. The sheriff comes out with a gun and says that it's not going to happen. Andy basically says that all he sees is a colored man under that badge and gun. Then in probably one of the dumbest scenes I've ever seen in television, the sheriff gives the gun to his deputy and his badge and him and Andy are about to have it out amongst the crowd. Jessica and Mr. Kelso show up and she says, aren't you going to stop this? And he says, I wouldn't even if I could. And she said, well, if you're not going to, I am. Well, before, before she can, he pushes her back and says, leave it alone. You'll just get hurt. So then before Andy or the sheriff can hit each other, Mr. Brenner shows up and says that no matter the outcome, the law will take care of Matthew whether he killed his son or not, and that there needs to be no more killing or bloodshed in this town, or hatred spilled. Mr. Brenner says, I know your heart is in the right place, Andy, but you need to let it go. Then Andy turns on him and says, you foolish, stupid old man. And tries to hit him. Eventually the sheriff manages to grab him. And Mr. Brenner says, I believe this man is drunk and disordered. And he is disturbing the peace. I think you ought to lock him up. Yes, sir, I do believe so, says the sheriff. Jessica goes into the sheriff's office. And she begins asking Andy questions. And I noticed that when this guy 
is not speaking. He has a tendency to like stick his tongue out. I don't know why. Like not stick his tongue all the way out. But stick it to where you can't see like his teeth or whatever. I don't know why he does that. But anyway. Um, he's They're going through his pockets. And they discover something with the Cameron crest on it. And uh, Jessica says, Sheriff, look, it matches the lighter. And he and and he said, Where'd you get that? And uh Andy says, That's my mama's maiden name. And uh she points out Jessica points out the lighter to him and he says, Oh, I'll let Ed borrow that. And she says, But he had a lighter. He left his at Kelso's bar and borrowed mine when we were playing pool. And the sheriff says, maybe you ought to tell us what happened from the beginning, Andy. Well, after we left the bar, Ed was keyed up. We decided to go out of town and play some pool. Eventually, Ed got tired and decided to bring us back in town. I still wanted to party, but he dropped me off at the service station. And then he said the strangest thing. What did he say, Jessica said. And Andy doesn't say anything for the longest time. And then the sheriff says, well, tell her. And he says, he said he was going to the bank. Now, isn't that weird? It was midnight. The bank wasn't open. Jessica and the sheriff put two and two together and basically figure out that if Ed left his lighter at Kelso's bar, the only way he could have gotten it back was if he went back there and whoever gave him his lighter could be the killer. And the killer turns out to be Mr. Kelso. And here is why. Mr. Kelso was getting blackmailed by Ed. Because Mr. Kelso suspected that his wife, Jolene, 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 yeah, I swear that's her name, was cheating on him. So in a blind rage, he killed her off screen with a brass bookend. I'm not even freaking joking. Ed apparently witnessed the whole thing and decided instead of telling the proper authorities, he would blackmail Mr. Kelso. So eventually that night when he came to get more money, Mr. Kelso had had enough and decided to shoot him. Dead and frame poor innocent Matthew. And I have so many problems with this. Like, he killed his wife off screen. We have no sympathy towards this guy as a viewer. You have no sympathy towards this guy at all. And not to mention, you know, he says, when I killed Ed, I didn't feel anything at all. It was like putting down a rabid dog. Like, are you kidding me? He said that he buried his wife in the woods. All because he suspected she was having an affair, but it wasn't true. And the lighters is what tripped them up. Also, the special gun 
that Mr. Kelso showed at the beginning of the episode when we got it, when we went to his bar the first time. It's really dumb. I mean, that the plot hinges so much on something that, that we weren't even witness to. I just don't like this episode because of the racism towards the sheriff. You know, I just don't like that. And it's not aged well. And the whole Southerners are dumb thing was a big narrative that was pushed in the 80s. And Designing Women really went hard after that. There's even an episode where where uh, they say Southerners eat dirt and Julia decides to tell them otherwise. But that is nothing compared to our next episode, which we'll go over the guest stars at the end after I cover the second episode. Alright? And it's never confirmed whether Matthew is actually the professor's son. And what is another thing that is really weird is Matthew is not in the episode after he gets arrested. He is just off screen and only makes one more appearance at the end of the episode where he and Linda decide to go off um, to try his hand at singing in Nashville. And that's about it. Nothing is said about the professor being his father. No confirm or deny from Cassie. It just makes no sense. Alright, so the next episode. Oh boy. Season 2, episode 16, Murder in the Electrical Cathedral, air date February 16th, 1986. Alright, this one pales in comparison to the last one. And apparently uh, Mildred Netwick co-starred alongside Angela Lansbury in The Court Jester, starring Danny Kaye. Um, they comment that it's been 30 years since they saw each other and nod to their time working on this movie. Um, and she, of course, plays, uh, Carrie. Okay. So this episode is set in Oklahoma. And this episode is also available for free on all the platforms I said, um, so here we go, because I'm spoiling. Alright, so we start off this episode, the opening credits play with a beautiful sky, and somebody preaching to the masses on television, which was a popular thing that they used to do around this time, but, they, but it's not as popular as it was back then. This is the Reverend Willie John and his wife, Sister Ruth, and it's called the Electrical Cathedral because they broadcast on television to the masses, begging people to give them donations. And that Willie John claims to be the real deal, as he has devoted his life to helping the Lord in spreading his gospel. Meanwhile, Jessica pulls up to her friend and teacher, who apparently expired her to write um, books Carrie McCormick 
and this is set in Oklahoma. And she comes by, and I recognize this is the house from Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. It looks like that house. I could be wrong, but that's what it looks like. I love that movie, though. Anyway, Carrie is happy to see Jessica. Meanwhile, we get in, um, meanwhile, backstage at the Electrical Cathedral, Earl Fargo, Willie John, Fargo's brother, says that they have the, uh, the will. Meanwhile, we get introduced to Harvey McCormick and his son, Sam McCormick. Harvey is Carrie's son and Art is her grandson. Carrie has apparently signed a will giving all of her money to Reverend Willie John. Which her son, Harvey, and her grandson, Sam, are not too happy about. So Jessica is visiting um, when they come barging through the door, demanding to know what the hell she thinks she's doing. How can you leave all your money to that phony baloney Reverend Willie John? And she says, you got plenty of money. You don't need mine. Oh, and apparently um, Harvey, when we first get introduced to him, is like some sort of oil tycoon person because there's like a miniature village and he's like showing oil spraying in this miniature thing which that virtually goes nowhere so I don't really understand why they introduced him that way but anyway they they basically say they're going to fight this will to the street supreme court she briefly tries to stop them to introduce them to Jessica but they don't care and they end up walking out the door and then Carrie has a problem with her heart. They go to the hospital, which is that has also been funded by Willie John. Carrie seems to be okay, but she really wants to talk to Alice McCormick, who is married to Art. And there's a nurse there, named Sue Beth, who's administrating to Carrie. I mean, not administrating, but, you know, being a nurse to her. And also Dr. Mark Brady, who's taking care of her. Well, Jessica promises that, um, or Carrie wakes up and is glad that Jessica's still there. She says, I'm going to stay on for a few days um, to be with you. And she says, okay. And she says, well, Jessica, please promise me one thing. Don't let them have my money. I really want to give it to Reverend Willie John to help as much people as possible. And she says, okay, I promise. So she leaves her room. Harvey and Sam show up and they want her moved to a different hospital. They don't want her there. Eventually... Um, Jessica goes, Jessica says that they're being ridiculous and to knock it off. Dr. Brady reminds them they're in a hospital and keep their voice down. Jessica goes back to Carrie's room 
and Reverend Willie John comes in. Throughout the episode, he calls her Miss Jessica. Um, he claims that how the hospital came to be was through the generous donations of people around the world who he has preached to as he uses the television to make his presence known. His words, I swear. Um, and he seems like the real deal. He doesn't seem like a phony. And his wife is Sister Ruth. Um, we'll find out more about her later. And he has a brother named Earl, as I said. And that's about it. So, Jessica agrees to try to call Alice, but she can't get a hold of her. And then she notices Sue Beth coming out of Carrie's room. And then literally within a few hours later, Carrie appears to be dead. And Sam is in her room. He says he doesn't know what happened and walks out. Jessica immediately notices a syringe on the floor. And she picks it up with tissue and puts it into her purse. Carrie has died from cyanide poisoning. Sam claims, or Alice comes after it's been revealed that Carrie is dead. She's wearing dark sunglasses and she offers Mrs. Fletcher to be able to stay with her at Carrie's house because she was very dear to her. When Alice takes off her dark glasses, it's revealed that Sam abused her. When they get to Carrie's house, Sam is there, and he says he discovered a new will that his grandmother um, has filed, and that it gives them everything and gives Willie John nothing. The next day, we get introduced to District Attorney Fred Williger, played by Dick Van Patten. There are no policemen in this in this uh, episode, which is so stupid. And the explanation given is that the District Attorney says that all of them are on sick leave, and he has to pretty much solve this himself. That makes no sense. I don't get that. I seriously don't. But that's only a minor problem I have with this episode. So eventually Sam comes in and gives the new will to them and they realize that it's been forged. Sam basically admits that he did it and the district attorney decides to bring charges up on him. Harvey happens to come there and tells the district attorney that if he brings charges against him, he will make sure he's not reelected. He also makes light of the fact that Sam apparently hit his wife and just says that it was a little squabble between kids. No big deal. Mrs. Fletcher decides, since there's no police, that she will investigate her friend's murder of her own accord. Um, 
she decides that she really wants to figure out what Reverend really John does. So Sister, Sister Ruth gives her a tour. And apparently the TV station, the hospital, and their living quarters is all on one campus. They even have their own post office. Again, because of all the donations that's been pouring in, because Willie John preaches on the TV. Um, basically, Willie John tells Jessica that he was in England and, ha and had no idea that he was diabetic and was suffering from something and he didn't know what it was. Well, luckily for him, Sister Ruth basically nursed him back to health and that's when he discovered God and decided that he should spread their word. Jessica realizes there's a connection between the syringe and Willie John, which they find in the syringe that it was cyanide poisoning. So Carrie had been, has been murdered. So, um, Jessica then decides to talk to Sue Beth and asks her, you know, I thought I saw you coming out of her room. No, um, I wasn't here. You're mistaken. And she says, okay. Um, Harvey and Sam do not want Willie John to get control of their mother's um, money. They hold her funeral at her actual house with an open casket. And... Harvey basically tells Mrs. Fletcher that he's not actually Carrie's son. She adopted him, but he's been, she's been like a mother to him his whole life, and he loved her truly. It may seem as if he's angry because she's giving away money, but it's because he feels that his son deserves it, and that Willie John is a fraud. So at this point in the story, we have no idea who killed this woman. And Jessica decides to confront Willie John. Or they find the fingerprints on the syringe to be Willie John's. And before the district attorney can arrest him, Sue Beth reveals that at the time of Carrie's death, he was administrating to her needs. At first, everybody thinks this means that her and Willie John were being physical with each other, meaning they were having sex. Um, but she claims that he was really being a minister to her. She was basically telling him about how she's having an affair with one of her with one of the people she works with, and Willie John was helping her. And Jessica says, but I swear I saw you came out of her room. And there's, you go down the back stairway, or stairway um, which leads to the parking lot and also leads to, to the TV station. You could have popped in and out of there. And then as Sue, as Sister Ruth walks by, Jessica goes, well, of course. How could I be so stupid? And our killer turns out to be Sister Ruth. 
And get this, you all. Get this. The reason why Sister Ruth killed Carrie was to frame Willie John because she wanted to divorce him. Why did she want to divorce him? Because, according to her, for the last 25 years, she has basically lived a celibate life. Meaning, okay, that Willie John and her are not having any sex, and he's not paying attention to her. So she killed an innocent woman to frame him to get back at him for not having sex with her. This is the most biggest bullshit reason to kill someone I have ever seen in my life. Like, I have never seen an episode where someone have had the most dumbest, dumbass motive to kill someone. Divorce him. Just divorce him. What the hell is the point of killing somebody who has done not one single solitary thing to you? I mean, it is ridiculous. And Willie John goes, Sister Ruth. Why didn't you tell me? And she says, I tried in a million different ways. Bullshit. Also, why the hell would you call yourself Sister Ruth? Ah, I don't understand this episode. And I realize, guys, now, I have been so focused on season one and getting to where I left off in season two, that from here on out, I have no idea, because it's been so long since I've seen any other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, that I have no idea what's coming next. I have no idea. I'm going in blind. So my reaction to whatever episode comes next is going to be my honest reaction. Unlike, you know, me watching them again after I've already watched all of season one, and most season two, the next disc, disc five and six, I have not seen any of the episodes on those discs in a long time. So I'm happy to see what surprises and guest stars and everything pop up. I wish that these episodes could have been better. I mean, I don't understand what they were thinking. I mean, the murder in the electric cathedral really gets me. I mean... Poor Carrie did not deserve to die. There was no reason for it. And, I mean, the whole motive of Mr. Kelso in the first one, he killed his wife off screen. Once again, going by the episodes um, Keep the Home Fries Burning and Trial by Error, plus Power Keg in this one, that is four episodes where some form or another a spouse is getting revenge on their husband or wife or committing murder so let's go over the guest stars first i'm going to go back to power keg and we'll go over the guest stars then i don't know if we have any reese you know recurring guest stars pat Corey played our murderer he died in 2006 at the age of 76, he is known for, of course, Murphy Brown. 
Mr. Destiny, 1990. Kiss My Grits, 1962, sorry. And The Hand, 1981. His last known credit is some movie in 2006 titled Come Early Morning. He did some voiceover work on Hey Arnold, All Dogs Go to Heaven, the series. He was on Murphy Brown, Coach. He was on All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, Murder 1, Saved by the Bell, Wedding in Las Vegas, Cadney and Lacey, Night Court, Mr. Belvedere, Simon and Simon, L.A. Law, He's the Mayor, I don't know, some show, um, Falcon Crest, Magnum P.I., this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Hill Street Blues, Silent Witness, it was a TV movie, Hill Castle and McCormick, Moonlighting, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, uh, Against All Odds, which is a really hit movie. Um, Flamingo Road, Heart to Heart of Mice and Men TV movie. Lou Grant, Barnaby Jones, The Waltons. Who's on The Waltons? He was in the movie T Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker. Family, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, there was a TV series of The Amazing Spider-Man in the 1970s. It didn't last very long. Startsky and Hutch. Oh, he was on The Betty White Show. I miss Betty White. I'm still hoping she shows up in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was also on Kojak, and his first credit is NYPD TV series in 1968. He was awesome on Murphy Brown, and it was nice to see him go against type and be in this. But still, didn't like his character. Uh, Marie Claire Castillo played Cassie Burns. She's still with us. She's known for the adventures of... Buckaroo... Bonanza Across the Eighth Dimension. I don't know. Ordinary People, 1980. Let's Scare Jessica to Death, 1971. An Indecent Proposal, 1993. Her last known credit is 2011 in Assisted Living in a Video Short. Uh, she gets started. Our she gets started on judging Amy Chicago Hope. She was on Santa Barbara. In the heat of the night. This is her only episode of Murder She Wrote. She gets started also on Heart to Heart. Lou Grant. She was in the TV movie Coward of the County, based on, of course. Uh, the Wonderful Song by Kenny Rogers. She was on Little House on the Prairie. She was also in the TV movie The Boy Who Drank Too Much. The Incredible Hawk. The Fitzpatricks. The Waltons. As Miss Rosemary Hunter. She was on a TV show, TV show called Sarah. Barnaby Jones. Kojak. Kojak. Ironside, 
And her first credit is The Tiger Makes Out, 1967. Good for her. Cindy Fisher played the role of Linda Brenner. She's still with us. Oh, she will have her birthday on July 31st. Happy birthday. Hope you have a wonderful day, Miss Fisher. She's known for the Blues Brothers, 1980, the Stone Boy, 1984, the Swiss Family Robinson, 1975, and Remington Steele. Uh, she will appear in another episode of Marvel. She wrote in 1987. That's her last credit. So we will go over her guest starring roles then. Brian Lane Green played Matthew. We'll see if he's a singer. Yes, apparently he is. He's appeared on a soundtrack. Let's see um, what he sung. Apparently he sung um, a song on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It was at the 43rd Tony Awards. So maybe he was doing his own singing in this. Okay, so he's still alive. And his last known credit is something called Circuit. Um, he was on All My Children as Brian Bodine, number three. He did not last very long because the story they were doing with Brian around that time, he was dating Dixie, and it was just really weird. I remember that vaguely. He was also on Spring of the Teenage Witch, Another World, Madlock, Just the Ten of Us, Days of Our Lives as Alan Brand, The Law and Harry McGraw. Can't wait to find that on YouTube and be able to watch it when it comes up. This is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, Hotel, Highway to Heaven, After MASH, and his first credit is Breaking Away, TV show in 1980. But he hasn't been in anything since 2001. I wonder whatever happened to him. Jackie Earl Haley played the role of Billy Willis, an early role for him. He just had his birthday on July. Oh, his birthday will actually be tomorrow um, on July 14th. So happy birthday, sir. Hope you have a good one. He is known for Watchmen 2009, Little Children 2006, A Nightmare on Elm Street remake 2010, which, spoiler alert, it sucked, and Shutter Island. He is in pre-production for the retirement plan where all the lights tends to go in one man from Jer from New Jersey. Um, he, he's providing some voiceover work for something called My Father's Dragon. Uh, he was in something called The First Lady. Um, he was also in The Tick, The Dark Tower, which no one liked, Preacher TV series on AMC, Lincoln, 2012, Human Target, Shutter Island, Watchmen, the Embezzner video game, um, this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was also in the TV series Breaking Away, The Love Boat, 
The Bad News Braves, the original 1976, The Day of the Locusts, Valley of the Dinosaurs, Marcus Welby, M.D., The Partridge Family, Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, and his first known credit is on The Carol Burnett Show with Jim Neighbors. Interesting. Happy birthday, sir. Hope it's a good one for you. Dorian Hell. Herwood, sorry, played our sheriff, and I recognized him almost automatically from 7th Heaven. He's still with us. He is known for Full Metal Jacket, 1997, Space Jam, 1996, Sudden Death, 1995, and Assault on Precinct 13, 2005. His last known credit is 2002, Bel Air. He was also on 911, Criminal Minds. Uh, Handy Mandy, he did some voiceover work there. The Spectacular Spider-Man, House of Pain, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, The Batman, The Land Before Time TV series, Le Legion of Superheroes, Private Practice, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Las Vegas, Witch, um, Jane Doe, The Heart of They Fall, The Young and the Restless, Little House on the Prairie, the remake, um, in 2005, Kangaroo Jack 2, X-Men Legends, video games, Static Shock, uh, Boomtown, Asteroid Boy, Hollywood Wise, Next Generation, and yes, Seventh Heaven as Reverend Morgan Hamilton. He was also in The Christmas Shoes, which I did not like because it didn't follow the book. The Practice, um, Rescue Heroes, Batman Beyond, Godzilla the Series, Cartoon Series. The New Batman Adventures. Ah, Real Monsters, aired on Nickelodeon. Superman, the animated series, 12 Angry Men, 1997. Uh, Superman, the animated series, Mortal Kombat, animated series, um, Gargoyles, animated series, The Incredible Hulk, animated series, Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, Iron Man, Gargoyles, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, love that. Mighty Max, Aladdin TV series. Where on Earth is Carmen San Diego? Awesome show. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Bonkers, Animaniacs. Damn, he did a lot of Batman the Animated Series. Captain Critters, <laughs> Darkwing Duck. God, I love this. Um, New Kids on the Block, cartoon series. Man, Midnight Patrol, Adventures in Dream Zone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as Shredder. Oh my god, you go, dude. I love you. China Beach, The Magical World of Disney, Fantastic Max, Madlock, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. I love it. Beauty and the Beast, um, 1987. Uh, Hotel... The Jesse Owens story, 
He played Jesse Owens. Um, and I think this is his, yeah, this is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote. The Ambush Murders, Roots the Next Generation, Columbo. And he was in the remake of Swiss Family Robinson. Was his first appearance in 1975. Awesome dude. I love him because of all the voices he's done. Such good. Um, Bill, uh, okay, John Dennis Johnson played Peter Fargo. I don't remember him. Maybe he was like one of the extras and they just gave him that name because I don't know. Um, he's still alive. He's known for 48 Hours, 1982. Uh, Walt Ebert. 1994, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977, and Annie Hall, 1977. His last known credit is a short called Screwy Lucy. <laughs> he got started on the client list, In Plain Sight, Supernatural, Without a Trace, Jack and Bobby, Jag, Firestarter 2, Rekindled, no one liked that, Walker, Texas Ranger, Dark Angel, E.R., Uh, A Walk in the Clouds, Madlock, Highlander, Reasonable Doubt, Miracle in the Wilderness, Jack, Jake and the Fat Man, Married with Children, Saint Elsewhere, The Twilight Zone, Cagney and Lacey, this is only episode of Murder's Rip, Simon and Simon, The Fall Guy, T.J. Hooker, Fantasy Island, The Dukes of Hazard, uh, The Blue and the Gray, Jekyll and Hyde together again, Little House on the Prairie, he was only 12, part 1, uh, Magnum P.I., Charlie's Angels, Dear Detective, Eight is Enough, The Rockford Files, Policewoman Phyllis, uh, Captains and the Kings, Burdett, and Brunk. I don't know, 976. Like I said, I can't place him. And then another extra, Charlie Dimsey, was part of the mob. Bill McKinney. He died in 2011 at the age of 80. He is known for First Blood, 1982, Deliverance, 1972. Back to the Future, Part 3, 1990, and The Green Mile, 1999. His last known credit is The Custom Mary. I don't know. He was in Ghost Town, the movie. Looney Tunes, Back in Action. The Magnificent Seven TV series, The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Love that show. It came from Outer Space 2, TV movie. A Promise to Caroline. Awesome movie with Delta Burke. It's on YouTube. I would check it out. Batman, the animated series. City Slickers 2. The new WKRP in Cincinnati. 
Young Indiana Jones, Baywatch, In the Heat of the Night, Highlander, or I mean Hunter, sorry, The China Lake Murders, Falcon Crest, this is only episode of Murders of A-Team, Riptide, The Fall Guy, Against All Odds, wow, a bunch of people from that movie is in this episode. Never seen that movie, though. BJ and the Bear, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. Um, Young Maverick, The Runaways. Every Which Way But Loose. Ooh, with uh, Clint Eastwood. The Outlaw, Jesse Wells, also with Clint Eastwood. Uh, Columbo. The Underground Man, Alice Smith and Jones, The Bold Ones, The New Doctors, I Dream of Jeannie, um, The Monkees, Fire Creek, She Frank, and Secret Files Hollywood, uncredited, 1962. All right. Sorry, I can't remember you, dude. Uh, our murder victim, Ed Brenham, was played by Jeff. Overhedge, Oysterhedge, something like that. I'm so sorry that I mispronounced your name. He's still alive. He is known for Knight Rider, 1984. Dirgent TV show. Marquee of the Red Death. And Byler's Gate 2. I don't know. Last known credit, Taken by Force. Oh, apparently Ballers Gate 2 is a video game. I've never heard of it. Madlock. Um, Simon and Simon. Dust Before Dawn. Moonlighting. Crazy Like a Fox. And, oh. Oh, he was in Funeral at 50 Mile. The season finale of season one. But I don't remember him. Oh, well. TJ Hooker. Riptide, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, this is his final episode of Murder Shrew. Dukes of Hazard, and he was in his first known credit is True Grit, a further adventure TV movie, The Legend of the Golden Gun, and the Texas Rangers. Awesome! Okay. Uh, the Professor was played by Craig Stevens. He passed away in 2000 at the age of 81. He is known for Gun 1967, The Deadly Merricks 1957, Peter Gunn 1958-61, and The Invisible Man 1975-76. Last known credit, Marcus Welby, M.D., A Holiday Affair. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Apparently... Even though he died in 2000, he retired in 1988. He was in a TV movie called The Condor, The Love Boat, Hotel, Fantasy Island, Happy Days, Quincy M.E., Dallas, B.J. and the Bear, David Cassidy, Man Undercover, Harvey Girls, Nancy Drew Mysteries, The Incredible Hawk, Secrets of Three Hungry Wives, um, I don't want to know what that was about, Police Woman, Starchy and Hutch, the Love Boat 2, The Tony Randall Show, 
Rich Man, Poor Man, Invisible Man, The Wild World of Mystery, Henry O, Gunsmoke, Killer Bees, The Elevator, The Snoop Sisters, Love American Style, Here's Lucy, The Rockies, Medical Center, Marcus Welby, M.D., The Virginian, My Three Sons, The Bold Ones, The Lawyers, The Name of the Game, Mr. Broadway, Man of the World, Peter Gunn, State Trooper, The Loretta Young Show, Studio 57, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Ford Television Theater, uh, The Whistler, The Pepsi Cola Playhouse, Private Secretary, Murder Without Tears, Hollywood Opening Night, The Lady Takes a Sailor. He was in a lot of MGM movies, uncredited of course. His first credit is 1939 and Coast Guard as a Sailor. You go, dude! Stuart Weinman played Mr. Brenner, and I recognized him right away. He died in 2020 at the age of 92. He is known for The Commandos, 1961, Night of the Lupus, 1972, The Longest Day, 1963, and Shock Treatment, 1964. His last known credit is the President's Men TV movie in 2000. Did some voiceover work, Ah Real Monsters. I think he was, wasn't he in Gremlins? And wasn't he in uh, Ch Chopping Mall? Walker, Texas Ranger 3, Deadly Reunion. Walker, Texas Ranger. Superboy. <laughs> oh, he was in Hit, Run, and Homicide. This is the second episode of Murder, She Wrote. He will appear in two other episodes after that, but I gotta know. Maybe I'm confusing him with someone else. It's quite possible. We'll go over more of his credentials when we get to those episodes. Larry Wilcox played the role of Andy Crane. It was a strange performance. And I'm sorry, dude, if that was your intention. Um, he's still with us. He's known for Chip's TV show... The Ray Bradbury Theater TV show, Death of a Centerfold, and The Dirty Dozen, The Next Mission. Uh, he's going to be in Beyond Legend, Johnny Capahala, but it hasn't been filmed yet. Uh, also, America, We Salute the mil Military with Preview of Beauties has been released. Uh, he's still acting. Uh, his last known credit is Forgiven This Gun for Hire. I uh, do not have any clue. Pacific Blue, ABC After School Special, FBI Untold Stories, Loaded Weapon. He will appear in three other episodes of Murder, She Wrote. And that's all the guest stars for Power Cake. My oh my. Alright, and 
Last but not least, our guest stars for Murder and the Electrical Cathedral. Jack Brenham, or Bannon, played the role of the doctor. He died in 2017 at the age of 77. He is known for Little Big Man, 1970, L.A. Heats, 1997, Hard Vice, 1994, and Da Vinci's War, 1993. His last known credit is in 2018, Mistrust. L.A. Heat was a TV series. I never heard of it. Dr. Gwen, Medicine Woman. He was on The Golden Girls as Chuck. Chuck. Goodbye, Mr. Gordon. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, he was on Santa Barbara, Empty Nest, MacGyver, Father Downey Mysteries, Charles in Charge, and he will appear in another episode of Mary She Wrote in 1989. So we'll go over more of his credentials later on. All right. We do have a Golden Girls connection, and that is, of course, Richard Hurd, but I will tell you more about him in a minute. Bambi Benton played the role of Nurse Sue Beth. She's still with us. She's known for Fantasy Island, X-Ray 1981, The Love Boat, and McLeod. Her last known credit is The Love Boat as... Kit Artwood, various characters. Riptide, this is our only episode of Murder, She Wrote the New Mark. Mike Hammer, Fox Mystery Theater, Death Stalker, uh, Fantasy Island, as various characters. Um, the Misadventures of Sheriff Logo, Lobo, Chips, Charlie's Angels, When the Whistle Blows, Flying High, Super Time. Um... Ro she was in Roman and Martin's Laugh-In, Marcus Welby, MD, The Greatest American Beauty Contest, and her first known credit is something in Spanish. I, I can't say it. I don't know. Frank Booner played the role of Willie John's brother, Earl. He died in 2021 at the age of 79. He is known for WKRP in Cincinnati. Eganox, 1970. The new WKRB in Cincinnati. And Just the Ten of Us. His last known credit is Under the Hollywood Sign in 2014. Um, he was in Saved by the Bell, the new... Class, The Colony, Evening Shade, Harry and the Hendersons, Just the Ten of Us, Sidekicks, Night Court, this is only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Blake's Magic, Punky Brewster, Love and New, New Love American Style, Crazy uh, Like a Fox, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Give Me a Break, Love That Show, Simon and Simon, The Love Boat, The Facts of Life Goes to, Par Goes to Paris, Fantasy Island, Police Woman, Love American Style Emergency, The Young Lawyers, 
and the Equinox, A Journey into the Supernatural, 1967. He was good in this episode. Didn't get much to do, but he was good. Steve Forrest played Willie John, the minister. He died in 2013 at the age of 87. He's known for Mommy Dearest, 1981, The Longest Day, 1962, Spies Like Us, 1985, and So Big, 1953. His last known credit is the movie SWAT. Team Knight Rider. Wow. And he will appear in a whopping... Four more episodes of Murder, She Wrote. So we'll go over his credentials then. Judy Glearson played our murderer, Sister Ruth. She's still with us. She is known for To Sir With Love, 1967, 10 Remington Place, 1971, The Lords of Salem, 2012, and 31, 2016. She has completed something called Finding Hannah and Waking Up Dead. She is still acting. Uh, her last known credit is Last Call in the Doghouse, Let Us In, and The Wrong Husband. And Grandma. She was on The Gilmore Girls. Love and Money. Touched by an Angel. Charmed. The Duke. Mad About You. Love Boat, The Next Wave. And when I say Charmed, I mean the original Charmed. News Radio, Baywatch Nights, Star Trek Voyager, To Serve With Love 2, American Playhouse, Monsters, I don't know, The Secret Life of Kathy McCormick, and she will, oh, oh yeah, she was in Paint Me a Murder. I knew she looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place it, I'm so sorry. MacGyver, this is her last episode of Mary Shrew. She was in something called Breakaway. It was a TV show. I'm glad that she's still acting and that she went, you know, beyond this episode because it was really, like I said, bizarre. And I'm sorry that I cussed, but I just had to. She was in a lot of stuff. Good for her. Good actress. Uh, Carrie, or no. Richard Hurd played Harvey. Sorry, I'm going like down the line and I almost skipped it. He died in 2020 at the age of 87. He is known for All the President's Men, 1976. The China Sodoms, 1979. Get Out, 2017. And The Mole, 2018. Mo, Mo. Uh, he's been announced for something called Turning Tables. Probably something he did before his death. Hawaii Five-O. 2018, Shameless, Star Trek Renegade, Betty White's Off Their Rockers, Rosorian Isles. This dude had the reputation of accidentally always being confused with Carl Malden because they kind of look alike. Desperate Housewives, Ghost Whisper, NYPD Blue, Everwood, The O.C., Star Trek Voyager, Family Law, Joseph, King of Dreams, Jag, Caroline in the City, 
Seinfeld, Pacific Blue, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show Grace Under Fire, Walker, Texas Ranger, ER, Robin's Hoods, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Quantum Leap, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, he will appear in another episode of Murder Sure in 93. But to tell you who he is, He guest starred on The Golden Girls as Ernie in one of the most famous scenes ever in Golden Girls history, and I'm going to reenact it for you. What is sex, anyway? Two clunky old bodies thrashing around against each other. You sweat. Your hair gets mussed. Your nose runs. You lose your earring. Rose, say it, Ernie. It's time, Rose. Check, please. Love it. Glad that he was a part of that. And it was hilarious. Even though he's playing a man who's impotent, we get that awesome scene. Love him. May he rest in peace. Art Handel played his son, Sam. Art is still alive. He is... Oh, he's going to have his birthday on July 21st. So happy birthday, sir. Hope you have a wonderful day. He is known for Porky's 1991, Black Christmas 1974, EMG, don't know what that is, and Speed Zone 1999. He is in pre-production for A Walking Miracle, which will come out in 2023, Christmas in Wolf Creek, and post-production for that, and pre-production for the other thing. Nightwalk, Traitor, You Don't Know Dick, um, his, his last known credit is Hobby, Holly Hobby. Um, it's been a lot of Christmas movies. He was in Good Witch. Um, Dot? I don't know. So he's still acting good thing, because boy, oh boy. He's in a lot of TV movies. He was in Degrassi, The Next Generation. He was Clark Rockefeller, Paradise Falls. Um, I'm trying to find out if this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Jag. Beverly Hills 90210 is a police detective. Walker, Texas Ranger, Poltergeist, The Legacy. E.N.G. was a TV show from 89 to 94. It didn't last very long. Um, Alfred Hitchcock presents. Uh, also Friday the 13th, the series. Ah, he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1987. So we'll go over more of his credentials then. Wow, good for him. Look at all the roles he's played. Mildred Netwick played the role of Carrie, our murder victim. She died in 1994 at the age of 89. She is known for The Trouble with Harry, 1955, Dangerous Lesions, 1988, The Quiet Man, 1953, and Barefoot of the Park, 1957. 
Her last known credit is Dangerous Lesions. She retired. This is her only episode of Murder She Wrote. She, of course, was in The Court Gesture with uh, Angela Lansbury. She also got starred in Hillcastle and McCormick, Magnum P.I., uh, Alice, Trapper John M.D., Made in America TV movie uh, in 1982, Little Women TV series, Hawaii Five-0, The Bob Newhart Show, McMullen and Wife, The Snoop Sisters, The Evil Touch, um, The House Without a Christmas Tree, If It's Tuesday, This Must Be Belgium, I don't know, Bonanza, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, the 20th Century Fox Isle Hour, The Trouble with Harry, Suspense, You Are There, Goodyear Playhouse, Tales of Tomorrow, The Quiet Man, uh, they say she was in the court gesture, but I don't see it. Oh, um, yeah, there it is. Okay. All right. May she rest in peace. She was really good. Sad that she had to die. Really don't get it. Dick Van Patten played the district attorney. He died in 2015 at the age of 86. He is known for Spaceballs, 1997, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, 1993, Westworld, 1973, and Soviet Green, 1973. Last credit. Hot in Cleveland. Love that show. Would love to get that on DVD. Um, that 70s show, the Silver, Sarah Silverman uh, program, she's hilarious. Arrested Development, Seventh Heaven, The Santa Trap, uh, Family Guy, Touched by an Angel, Beyond Belief. Fact or Fiction, The Love Boat, The Next Wave, The Weird Owl Show, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Blake's Law, Diagnosis Murder, The Odd Couple Together Again, um, Going to the Chapel, 13 Going on 30, 1988, oh, 14 Going on 30, 8 is Enough of Family Reunions, the Facts of Life. This is only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Hotel, New Mark Hammer, Love Boat. Masquerade, Too Close for Comfort. Eight is Enough. Chips, Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker. Sweepstakes, Happy Days, High Anxiety. One Day at a Time, The Tony Randall Show. Freaky Friday, the original 1976 one. What's Happening with Six Million Dollar Man, Wonder Woman, Maud, The Streets of San Francisco, Phyllis, The Love Boat, TV Movie, Barnaby Jones, Emergency, When Things Are Rotten, Medical Center, The Rockies, The Rookies, Adam 12, Kojak, The Night Stalker, The, the New Dick Van Dyke Show, Love American Style. Wait till your father gets home. Adam's Rib. TV show. 
the Paul Linder show. I don't um McMullen and Wife. The Partners. That girl. I dream of Jeannie. Uh and Mama TV series for 1949-67. Never heard of it. Must have never been syndicated. And Alice was played by Jenny Wilson. She's still alive. She is known for Street Hawk, 1985. Simon and Simon, 1981-87. Jackals, 1986. And The Bionic Woman, 1977. Last known credit, Culture War, 2010. Jag, Simon and Simon in Trouble Again. Full House. Uh, the New Leave it to Beaver. Santa Barbara, Simon and Simon. This is their only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Stir Crazy TV Series, Street Hawk TV Series, Love Boat, A-Team, Whiz Kids, Fantasy Island, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, The Dukes of Hazard, BJ and the Bear, Maud, Tabitha, The Bionic Woman, Handle with Care, and Night Fright was her original, first credited in 67. Okay. And that is it. That is it. That is all our guest stars for this episode. For these two episodes. I had to do them back to back because I just couldn't talk about them individually. I don't know what the writers were thinking with the with the murder in the electrical cathedral. Poor Carrie did not deserve to die. Um anyway, have a fun, good safe day night depending on when you listen to this thank you so much for your continued support i can't believe i've been doing this for a year and i'm enjoying it and i love it so much um i can't wait to see what the next episodes are because it's been a while since i watched any episodes from any other season but season one and season two and i have reached the two episodes i left off on when my computer crashed and i had to start my podcast on the anchor app so whatever comes next is going to be a complete surprise. And you're going to see my honest reaction to each episode because I've not seen every single episode of all 12 seasons of Murder, She Wrote. Some here and there on, on TV, but not all of them. And I'm so excited. So thank you for your continued support. Happy crime solving. And I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>